What's up? Good morning. Good morning. Doing pretty good, man. Uh, looking forward to this for a while. Been looking forward to this. Uh, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to talk with you about this topic and to actually the concept of beginning this podcast series with you uh, I, is definitely the right person. And don't worry about my compliments now. I'll say terrible things about you to your face later. So I expect nothing less. Okay, good. Good deal. Uh, well, now, before we begin, uh, you know, obviously Jody Powell's here with us today. Why don't you briefly tell people how we first met? So the first two times we met was at a men's conference in Concord, North Carolina. Uh, there was a gathering of a bunch of folks from all over the world, and you and I just happened to be there. And um, we That was connected. the first year. We met the, this first year. That was the first two years. Yes. So we met there, went back the next year, met uh, – Again, well, I thought I was seeing you again, and you met me again for the first time. And then the next year, <clears throat> uh, we actually met that you remembered me in a in a Pennsylvania at another uh, event. Yep. I, I do remember meeting you the third time. Um, I think it may have had something to do that we were both housed in the same travel trailer at this campground area. It could have had to do with milkshakes, uh, matching pajamas. Not shaky milk. But what it, what most impressed me and made me remember you was the suggestion that we all go to Walmart and get matching pajamas. That that did it for me. I don't see that ever being a negative. It's not. It's not. That way they knew who belonged in what trailer, you know, so no problem. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, as we begin this, I want to, I thought a a great way, because we've got a lot of things to cover in a short amount of time to cover it in. I I, I wanted to kind of, uh, kind of break out who you are, but the best way I could probably help you define yourself is for me to define myself first. And since this is the Dangerous Skills Podcast and today's topic is, you know, what, what are these dangerous skills from a philosophical standpoint? What does it mean to be dangerous? So uh, to define myself going, you know, back a bit, um, you know, I am a man who has done, I've uh, been trained in counterterrorism. I've been trained in intelligence work and undercover work. I, I, I have been trained, uh, I've done work as a bodyguard, executive and dignitary protection. And so, and I've actually done these. I wasn't just trained in them. I actually went out and I performed these tasks out in out in a real and a dangerous world. And so, uh, I was trained in how to be dangerous and what danger meant. I learned what that was by going and doing it in a real world. Now, you've seen how I've sort of defined myself. How would you define yourself? As you know, as here are the things I've done, which have have made me dangerous. And yes, I've had, you know, firearms training. I've had martial arts training and I've had to put both, you know, to use in a real world environment. So about yourself. Um, Well, obviously, I've been in martial arts since I was seven years old. I'm belted in seven different systems of at least a first degree all the way up to my highest rank is a sixth degree. and I'm a certified firearms instructor. Um, I've also done uh, executive protection, bodyguard work, uh, both uh, nationally and internationally. Um, been involved in the rescue of uh, child slaves and sex traffic females. Um, on the obviously, you know, rescuing all over the world. Um, 
But um, those are probably the things that would qualify as uh, as dangerous skills, I suppose. Uh, we can't we can't leave out I was a pastor, so that's probably one of the most dangerous jobs I've ever had. Uh, I, I would I would say so. I would say so. Uh, there's an off man. I, I just want to get so tempted to, to to talk about that, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have to let that dangerous profession pass by. Um, so. Um, You've, you've done executive and dignitary protection work in the U.S. Uh, for political figures, you know, famous folk. And you've also done executive and dignitary protection on an international stage. You were in Ukraine not long ago, a few months ago. You were in Ukraine on the battlefronts there, protecting a, uh, a leader of a humanitarian effort there. And uh again uh police work investigative work all kinds of different things and we will go into depth on those things in in other podcast uh sessions in the future but right now um let's just talk about this keep this whole dangerous thing kind of in philosophical terms um so what what does it mean to have these dangerous skills to you um <clears throat> It's funny. So I've been thinking about that ever since you you mentioned this to me about doing this. And for me, it's a little bit different. I don't see myself in that realm. And a lot of times other people will see that. And like, I'll start telling, like, I'm also running for political office and I will stand up talking about something I had done. And afterwards, a lady comes up and goes, that's so, you know, that's so inspiring. That's so intriguing that you've done this. And, and, and I'm like, you know, and you and I have joked, we call that Tuesday. Um, like yeah, to, to, to break that out for people uh, <clears throat> so that people at home will understand, people will often will they'll hear something we've done or we'll be giving a speech or speaking somewhere and they'll be like, wow, that must have been the you know biggest thing that ever happened in your life. And, you know, it's terrible. I'm terrible. But I'm like, no, that would have been the biggest thing that ever happened in your life. I tell them for me, that was Tuesday. You know, it's just a normal day because that's how my life has unfolded. Well, for me, like, for example, a, a typical week in my life at one point would have been, you know, I'm at church leading worship on a Sunday morning. I leave, get on a plane, you know, fly to another country, do a rescue, come back. And by Friday night, I'm on stage playing a country concert. Saturday, I'm at a martial arts tournament and I'm back at church leading worship on Sunday. Yeah. You know, and and. and and people stand up and well, y'all pray for me that, you know, this, I've really been persecuted this week. I wasn't allowed to play my Christian music in my cubicle at work. And I'm thinking, really? I mean, that's, that's, that's your idea of dangerous. Like you're, you're, you're being persecuted. So when you, when you ask like, what's it mean to me? I honestly don't know because I don't know anything else. Right. Um, you know, you and I have talked and, you know, about stories and such. And, you know, the things that you're like, Hey, you need to tell this story. I, I don't see the value in it because when when you live through it and you're and you're doing these things, that's just who you are. Like here yeah. where I live, a lot of people don't even know what I do for a living. Right. Um, they don't they don't they they know I do something and there's there's speculations. Um but you don't it, go into the speculation. You you got yeah. enough alphabet agencies giving you attention. But here's 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 what's funny. Even so as I'm running for office, there's a th there's an article on line and it's defining who all the political candidates are that's running across the state. And um, it has my opponent defined and he's, you know, he's an attorney. Then it says, you know, opposing him is Jody Powell's Radford, Virginia, 
part-time musician, entrepreneur, contract employee, and has like a question mark. <laughs> like, like <laughs> it's fun. And this is a, this is an article uh, across the page. Um, but, and I like that. I like the mystery. Well, I, I would say that's actually not a bad thing. It does kind of keep your enemies guessing a little bit, and that's good. That's, so that's one of my favorite movie quotes of all times is yeah. one of the ocean movies. Brad Pitt says, it's not my knack to be mysterious, but I can't tell you why, nor can I tell you why I can't tell you why. <laughs> I've heard that one before from you. Okay, so in a world where you're just going to play the game with me and accept you have these dangerous skills and that you've earned them and that you prove them by going and doing things. So in a world where, you know, you hear people talk about the toxic male or, you know, you hear people talk about, uh, you know, men who can take care of themselves, take care of others, men who are up to the task should a dangerous, a, a difficult task arise. Um, why are dangerous skills important in our current environment? And they are important. And I mean, you could break that out. You could ask me to begin at just how, I don't know. How do you want to discuss that? Well, I think that society as a whole has begun to uh, demasculate men. And I think, you know, and I blame a lot of it on the church, honestly, because that has happened in the church. It's happened across society. And if you stop and you read the Bible, you and I both obviously are, are, are devout Christians. You read the Bible, all the men who did anything were manly men. Yeah. All the way up to, to Jesus, you know, and, and I think society even today has this persona of Jesus being this pacifist hippie. I mean, he's a guy who he was a carpenter. You know, he goes into the temple and he starts flipping over tables. He braids a whip. That's premeditation. He sits down and braids a whip to drive people out. He was a man. Um, you know, you look at people like Peter. He grabs a sword and cuts a guy's ear off. You know, David was a mercenary. These are guys who were men in the Bible, and we revere them, but yet we want to look at ourselves and say, but no, you're not allowed to possess skills, you know, and you're not allowed to have these things. You know, I, I remember growing up in martial arts and I had a pastor um, who come to me. He's like, oh, you, you shouldn't be doing that martial arts. So that's not, that's not good. That's not, and I'm like, and he was sitting there eating a piece of pecan pie. And I remember looking at him and saying, sir, aren't you a diabetic? And uh, he's like, well, yeah. I said, well, what does what does it mean to you to eat? You know, oh, it, it could really mess me up. I'm like, well, why don't you focus on the things that's wrong in your life as you <laughs> and leave me to martial arts? Hey, you know? hey, I've got I've I've got an anecdote for you that comes from that scriptural reference that that story about the temple. Uh, you know, a guy that sits down and braids a rope to use for a whip. If he knows how to do it, it ain't the first time he's done it. <laughs> no. no. You know, uh, they also forget, people forget, you know, Jesus, you know, playing a role in the Old Testament, the role that Jesus played in the Old Testament. I mean, Jesus was right there raining down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. You know, uh, he was present. He was there, you know, and they talk about like what Jesus did speak about or didn't speak about or what he did do or didn't do. And I was watching the uh, I was watching the Today Show once and uh, there were some movie stars on there and one of them was talking about the jesus of love and the jesus of acceptance denzel washington was on there who is a person who tremendously studies the word of god and is a christian 
And, you know, he really went off on the person and said, man, if you're going to talk about Jesus, it might be first the best thing if you'd actually read the Bible and know who you're talking about. I mean, he said that on live TV. I've seen that many times. And I've looked at I looked it up and watched it again recently. And that's incredible. Well, from my standpoint in the current environment, we need people who have worked to obtain, quote, dangerous skills, and they have learned to um, they've learned a thing they can control. They've learned a thing, you know, um, uh, people often talk about firearms ownership and there's, you know, all these millions of firearms and, and millions of people carrying firearms uh, in the United States. They doing so safely, doing so responsibly. And, um, you know, if 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 honest, everyday good citizens were a problem carrying dangerous skills with them, uh, the ability to shoot, uh, to to defend uh, others. If that was a problem, it would be a much bigger problem than you see that the news makes of it every day. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I have a level of confidence in knowing. I mean, I carry a firearm every day. Um, I, I have a concealed permit. And you do so legally, morally, and ethically. It's legal in my state, and therefore I do it. Um, and. I, I have a level of confidence in that because I know that if something happens, if I'm standing in the line at the grocery store and some jackleg walks in and wants to shoot the place up, because that seems to be the trend these days, because um, he's got something wrong mentally, then, you know, I, I have the confidence in knowing that I can eliminate the threat as needed and protect those around me. And to me, that's that's not being a dangerous person to to my surroundings. It's a lot of people look at a sheepdog because it's got the same teeth as a wolf and they think it's 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 violent in nature it's 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 not violent in nature it's protective in nature though possessing the skills to be violent when necessary yeah but the problem we have in society today is people go wow the wolf has teeth so the sheep say the problem's the teeth and they all pull their <clears throat> teeth and now you know they have no way to defend themselves right um I, I i look at it like this dangerous skills are those that one develops because you choose you choose <laughs> and it's really a choice of love because i choose out of the love i have for my family for those around me for my community at large there was a point in my life when i chose to gain the learning to gain the skills uh, that could allow me to be that sheepdog, that could allow me to step forward when needed. And, you know, that was also the same skills I got when I was a police officer. Uh, and and when we when we would uh, look out for the public and we were we were that kind of force long before uh, officer safety became more important than the rights of others. But don't get don't let me run down that road. But um you know, I have great confidence because I approved my skills. And, you know, David, Saul offered David his own armor to go out and fight Goliath. And he's like, I haven't proved that. But what he had proved the use of was that was that slingshot. And, um, you know, those of us who have over time, you know, learned and used these skills, uh, we are confident and ready and willing, should we be forced into doing it, to take actions that would 
defend the lives of other people. And I think a lot of people uh, have the wrong idea, a lot of lot of wrong mindsets. Uh, we have schools that are gun free zones and, and, and you know, we, we've we've created a space and a place where the most vulnerable in our society uh, are, are completely unprotected are mostly unprotected. And then even even having a school resource officer, it's one person, you know, and you hope that they can rise to the occasion when they need to. But um, this concept of dangerous skills, uh, Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson, um, actually spoke on this. He was, uh, it's kind of a famous video, you see it on um, Instagram, Facebook, you see it a lot of places. and. Um, I think Jordan Peterson, he's, he's not Jesus in a lot of ways. He's not like Jesus, but he's like Jesus in the way that people hate him because he dares to tell the truth. Um, so he was being interviewed, um, by John Stossel, a reporter, and I'm going to kind of read this off to you. Peterson says it's helpful for people to hear that they should make themselves competent and dangerous and take up a proper place in the world. Stossel scoffs. Competent and dangerous, why the dangerous? There's nothing to you otherwise, Peterson replies. If you're not a formidable force, there's no morality in your self-control. If you're incapable of violence, not being violent is not a virtue. People who teach martial arts know this full well. If you learn martial arts, you learn to be dangerous, but you simultaneously learn to control it. Life is a very difficult process, uh, and you're not prepared for it unless you have the capability to be dangerous. Uh, Stossel counters, by dangerous, that implies I should be ready to threaten someone to hurt somebody. And Peterson replies, you should be capable of it, but that doesn't mean you should use it. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, unless, unless there's a necessity. I sort of live my life in a state of preparedness. And I'm constantly going through life evaluating my atmosphere. You know, I, I step into a room. Is it safe? Are there any signals and signs that my training background and ex real world experiences have taught me I should be concerned about? And I basically have placed this on a continuum like it's a slot machine. And most slot machines have three spots. And, you know, I won't say you win or you lose, but action occurs. <laughs> And as the wheels are spinning, the first wheel comes up with a seven. And I sort of relate that over to a situation in which uh, you go into a situation and you evaluate it. And that first seven pops up because you see something that makes you that raises your kind of threat level, that raises a concern. You see something that doesn't look right, something your training, your ability, your experience has taught you isn't right. So that first seven has popped up. If, if another set of circumstances comes along or another circumstance comes along that, that raises that threat level, that you have real world experience training, that, okay, this is an added situation, that next seven has now popped up on your on your uh, on your slot machine, and then when when the person or the circumstance goes completely sideways, they draw a firearm, they attack someone, whatever. They begin to rob the place. Uh, they begin to use violence against an innocent person who needs to be defended. That's when that last seven pops into place, and the slot machine goes off, letting you act, letting you know action is required, and. 
So that's sort of a continuum I try and use when I'm trying to train people that, you know, you have to you have to uh, you have to constantly engage your atmosphere and engage uh, what's going on around you. And people are like, well, I couldn't live like that. And I'm like, okay, die by it then. You know, I can't help you. I can't help you. Your thoughts on this? The, the Peterson quotes the concept of being dangerous but but controlled. Uh, I think that a lot of people mistake dangerousness for recklessness. Uh, and to, to me, I look at it like <clears throat> you take somebody and put them in a car going 120 miles an hour. That's reckless. No seatbelt, no you know, no restrictions. That's reckless. But you take that same mindset, take that same person, put them in a car with the appropriate safety gear. They've been trained. They know you put them on a oval track. They got headgear. They got everything. And now it's become people pay money to watch it. It's, it's, it's become a, sport. Yeah. It's an extreme sport. Now, does it mean it's not dangerous? No, it's definitely dangerous. It's just no longer reckless. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of give you a left turn, Clyde here. Uh, it's always movie quotes. It's always movie quotes. Well, um, it's racing also. You can only make a left. You can't make a right. Yeah, that's right. You're constantly making a left turn. Um, the world we're living in, we have these uh, attorneys that are put in place by uh, political uh, folks of a far left uh, uh, leaning who are putting district attorneys in power places, paying for them to win elections uh, so that they can uh, basically do two things. Number one, keep criminals free and available to commit more crime. And at the same time, to prosecute anyone who dares to defend themselves. Do you believe that citizens in the United States still have a right to self-defense? So I think as long as the Constitution is still in place, um, and as long as there are people willing to defend it, because I'm going to say something that's going to be a bit extreme here. The Constitution isn't worth the paper it's written on if there aren't people willing to stand up and defend the words that are written on it. Yes. Um, so as long as there are people willing to stand up and defend those words and those words are still, you know, relevant, then, yes, we have we have a right to defend ourselves. That's what the Second Amendment is about. And it's not just about defending against, you know, people from a foreign nation. It's about defending against tyranny, probably yes. more so tyranny than, you know, in our own right than than those in a foreign country. But well, the, the right the writings of the founders are replete with their concerns <clears throat> about where the country might eventually go and the importance of being able to defend. You know, we've given you a republic if you can keep it. Right. And and, and the, being able to keep it was important. Uh, being a person with dangerous skills, what would be our responsibility to our local community? Uh, I, for one, um, and this is something I put on myself, is personal training. Um, because if I don't keep up my skills, one, one of the biggest fears, and, and you know, a couple of years ago I, I had to have hip surgery, is, is all the years of training. And I remember sitting on my front porch in my rocking chair again, you know, what happens when I'm no longer able to do the things that I've been able to do, you know? And, and so for me, one is keeping myself in at a level of uh, 
personal fitness and personal training to where I'm able to continue these things and continue on a level of alertness and, and situational awareness. And part of it is, is living a lifestyle like what you just said. You constantly are testing yourself. You walk into a room and you're looking at things. How many exits are here? Who's the biggest threat? If something happened, what would I do? If this happened, what would I do here? And, and that is not only a, um, a, a way of preparedness, but it, I, I've made it almost like a game with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I have done this before at restaurants. Something happens, you do this, you do that. Um, and, and, and a lot of people would look at that and say, man, you guys are crazy. But it's a way of, of testing yourself in order to win in the event that you do come up three sevens across, that you are prepared. You've, you've played this scenario yeah. out in your head. You know, I, I wrecked my motorcycle a year ago. And when I came off of it, when I laid it down, I came off of it. The people watching said, man, that was the coolest landing I've ever seen. Like, you, it's like you, it's like a movie because I, I jumped from it and I did a front dive roll. And they're like, how did you do that? And I got to thinking, well, you know, when I ride my bike, I'm constantly thinking and, and people are like, how do you live this way? You know, it's like worst case scenario always. No, I'm always preparing myself. If this happens and I had to do this, this is what I would do. This is yes. how I would react. And I'm fully believe that's what saved my life that day or at least kept me from being injured. Um, but it was playing out scenarios in my head. So one is keeping yourself to a point of uh, fit and trained Two, offering your knowledge and abilities to others, you know, um, saying, Hey, look, I, I'm offering this, whether people take it or not, that's on them. Right. Um, and so offering those things and those services to other people through uh, training or, or just knowledge, you know, and, and not everybody's going to take it, you know, back to the religious, uh, you know, examples, there was multitudes that came around when there was things freely given, but there was only 12 that truly stood by Jesus and really soaked in his teachings. Um, and finding people like that, that you can really pour into and say, look, I'm, I'm teaching you this, or I'm showing you this, you know, my martial arts school, I've had, hundreds of people come and go, but I've got just a handful of black belts who have truly taken it on. And, and it's funny, I sit back and, and I'll go in class sometimes and I'll just sit and let them teach and I hear them teach. And I'm like, that's, that's my words, you yes. know? So one being prepared two training others um, and, and, and sharing the knowledge and, um, and notifying others, Hey, this is what's going on in the world. This is what, you know, and one of the things I'm doing right now is obviously running for office um, and that's part of it, you know, well, I was going to say that's your number three. It's making yourself available in a vacuum of leadership in a vacuum of a situation where people need to be led in the moment or over a period of time or in a season, making yourself available, uh, for, for the sake of others. Right which is really no different from you being in that grocery store and the slot machine comes up 777, which of course nobody, you nor I nor anyone else who is trained ever wants that slot machine to go 777. It's the only time you don't want the slot machine to hit because it means something very serious is about to happen. But uh, yeah. I, I look at like last year, someone reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, this is kicked off in Ukraine. I can get you over there. You can go fight. You can go do this. I said, Nope, not my dog, not my, my, my fight, you know, not my monkey, not my circus. I'm not interested in going. It wasn't until I was reached out and they said, Hey, this is the need. This is what we need. And there's no one else willing to go. Would you go? Then I was like, okay, I'll go. And the yeah, same- they, hey, 
they were like, one of the things we're doing is trying to help people. So trafficking doesn't rise. If we're right. able to help these people, then they might not become, you know, subject to traffickers. Right. And, and in the same sense, um, you know, being a pastor, it was a group of people that had said, hey, we, we lack this. We need this. We need somebody willing to step up. I said, OK, I'll do it for this season. Um, you know, in the same right, you know, politically, I was reached out and, and approached, hey, we need somebody willing to do this. This is the need. There's no one else. You know, there's there's a weakness in this area. And would you be willing to step up? Yeah, I'll step up. You know, to me, that's that's part of it. That is that number three. I'm willing to step up and, and go uh, because I possess these abilities and willing to do it, you know. Um, and, and sometimes there's, there's a fake it till you make it, you know. Um, because I remember, I remember being a police officer, and it was on. It was in North Carolina and Winston Salem, and there was we were on I forty. There's like three or four lanes across on both sides, and there was a a fender bender, and cars were backed up. It's rush hour traffic. It's like seven thirty in the morning, right? And I remember pulling up, and I got out, and my first thought, I looked at another. Uh, he was actually a record truck driver, and I looked at this other guy, and I'm like, man, this is a mess. Somebody should call the cops. And he looked at me, he says, ain't you the one in the uniform? And, and, and I laughed. I'm like, dang it. I'm the one that's got to control this mess. You know, I'm the one that's got to herd these cats. And, um, and and so there comes a point you just step up and you just do it. Well, you know, and I think uh, I think that's really a point for a lot of people is uh, that they, they do, you know, get training. Uh, get experience, uh, put yourself out there, make yourself available and realize there comes a moment in time when it's up to you, you know, yep. Hey, Hey, listen, this has been really great. I really enjoyed this. This is great exploring the philosophical aspects of, of dangerous and dangerous skills and what have you. Uh, we're going to have you back on to talk about, we're going to do a whole podcast later on uh, human trafficking and then we're going to do another podcast later on um your time in ukraine on the front lines oh, i was mistaken i thought this was going to be a cooking show i came fully prepared for to do cooking i have a great potato salad recipe i was willing to share I, I, is that not the case okay podcast number four cooking potato salad better than any of the ladies at the local church bazaar very good i did well, we will, uh, we will circle back to that when the time comes. Thanks so much for being with us today.